Welcome to the show. It's Friday, so that means I'm out, and it's also hashtag FOF or FOF. Friends on Fridays. This Friday, we will broadcast John Zipper's week to week show. The program today is brought to you by Pacific Fertility Center. When life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. And now here's Week to Week with John Zipperer. I'm John Zipperer, the host of the Commonwealth Club's Week to Week Politics Program. You can find out more about Week to Week and all of the Commonwealth Club's many programs, including videos and audio, at CommonwealthClub.org. Now let's join this week's program. Welcome to Week to Week, the political roundtable from the Commonwealth Club of California. From Monday, November 7th, 2016, you thought it would never arrive. (laughs) It did. This week, we finally get to Election Day, tomorrow. It's a big day for both parties. Trump fans will be thrilled, of course, if he wins. It'll be a miraculous insurgency candidacy. But even if Trump wins, I think there's good news for Democrats. And that is, as of this afternoon... One-way tickets to Vancouver, Canada are 111 on Delta, 167 on United. It's only 216 on Air Canada, so everybody wins. Well, thank you for joining us here today in San Francisco. I'm John Zipperer, your host for Week to Week and the Commonwealth Club's Vice President of Media and Editorial. On today's program, we are, of course, going to talk about the final gasp of this incredibly long election season, nationally, locally, and statewide. We also talk about some of the coming changes to the GOP after the election, no matter what happens, uh, how to make money at BART, and of course, (laughs) other political news, and we'll wrap it all up with our live news quiz. So I always like to note that the Commonwealth Club has people, members, supporters, and panelists all of a wide variety of views, so any opinions that are expressed up here are those purely of the speakers and not of the Commonwealth Club. So let's meet our panelists for today. I'm going to start on the far end of the stage with C.W. Nevius. He's a columnist for a few more weeks for the San Francisco (laughs) Chronicle. Thank you. You can follow him now and probably even afterward on Twitter at C.W. Nevius. Next to him is Daniel Bornstein, a columnist and editorial writer for the East Bay Times and Mercury News. He's on Twitter at Bornstein Dan. And completing our trifecta of columnists today, we have Deborah J. Saunders. She's a columnist at the San Francisco Chronicle, where she's also the token conservative blogger on sfgate.com. And you can follow her on Twitter at Deborah J. Saunders. There are question cards spread throughout the room. And uh, write out and submit any questions you have. We'll have people pick them up and deliver them to me. And I will try to ask as many of them during the program as I can. Let's go right to the uh, roundtable. And first, of course, let's talk about the presidential race. Um, If Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, really wants to destroy democracy in the United States, I think all he has to do is hold a referendum on Wednesday saying, do you never want to hold another presidential election? (laughs) The results might please him at that point. We're on the eve of election day. Tomorrow night, we should know, hopefully, who has won the presidency, Republican Donald J. Trump, or your Democrat Hillary Clinton. So my initial question for all of you, but maybe just start with Dan to have someone to start this with, what are you expecting tomorrow night? What, what results are going, do you think are going to come in, certainly at the presidential level and maybe some of the other? Uh, well, well I, I think that 
I'm, I'm hoping that we may know before we go to bed. I'd rather not go through 2,000 all over again. Uh, but I think that we'll probably know before we go to bed, those of us who stay up a little bit later. Um, I, but the real question, I think, is what happens afterwards? Because we, I think, assuming it comes out as all the polling data seems to suggest it will, how do you govern after that? What, what, I mean, what happens? This, is, this does not end with Tuesday, with tomorrow. Um, this, this is the most divisive presidential race I can remember in my lifetime. And uh, it, uh, you just don't take that genie and stuff it back in the box, and on Wednesday everything's fine and it's over. I, I just don't think that's... I think that this is... This is, the repercussions of this will last for years. Okay. Well, the other thing I'd say is how, how can it be any different than what we've seen already? I mean, it was absolutely polarized. The government seemed to be absolutely stopped in place. The Republicans have promised to stop every possible if Hillary Clinton wins, but they were doing that with Obama. It doesn't seem that much different. Uh, two things. One is, back in the 50s, there was a famous story where uh, Time magazine... Uh, sent a, a telegram, this is how old it was, he sent a telegram to this famous astronomer and he said, is there life on Mars? Send 10,000 words. And he sent, nobody knows, 5,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is kind of this election. Now the popular theory that's going on now is that the, the Latino, the Hispanic vote, has suddenly risen, risen to the fore. We're actually going to see this for the first time. And you remember that when, when Romney lost, the Republicans got together and said, we've got to mobilize this Latino base. We've got to get the Latinos involved. Then Donald Trump came out and said that they were all rapists and murderers and so forth. And now we're seeing unprecedented levels of Latino voting. So mission accomplished. <laughs> and I think the key will be Florida and also a place like Nevada where they really have gotten out the vote with Latino voters. Yeah. So I would say that. Deborah? So this has been... A really ugly election and I think the worst part is is so many voters hate both candidates so many voters are unhappy with both of their choices I've never seen anything like it and if you had asked me what's going to happen when Donald Trump first won the nomination I would have said well Hillary's gonna win and uh, it, <clears throat> at any rate it looks like that may well happen she's got I'll, I'll we'll take Nate Silver for argument's sake, it's basically two to one. She wins. If she, if she, if if Trump wins, there are going to be a lot of surprised people and a lot of angry people. Um, and if Hillary wins, well, you know, as again, sort of what we expected. But what I've found so amazing but about this, there will be a race, lot of angry people. There will be a lot of yeah, angry yeah, people yeah. either way. But what's uh, been really including Donald Trump. Pardon me, including, including Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. <laughs> uh, I think I'll have an aneurysm. Um, but but. <laughs> But, but really, if you, if you watch this, the thing that's been so amazing about this race is how every time Hillary got a wide lead, it narrowed. Because people, I think this is like a ping pong election for the, for the, the, uh, uh, for the undecided voters. They think, oh, Hillary's going to win. You. Oh, Trump's going to win. Oh, my God. And it would just sort of go back and forth. And we're going to be stuck with somebody who wins, and probably Hillary, but maybe Trump. And, and, and it's just not going to be something that people feel good about. I think both parties have failed. 
their constituents. And, you know, the vote, I mean, look, a Republican voters nominated Donald Trump. Democratic voters picked uh, Hillary Clinton in a rigged primary. Um, but, but um, you know, so there, it, this is just going to be something where, yeah, taking a shower isn't going to wash off the experience. Let, let me, Deborah, let me, let me. This is this is where I really enjoy being on the panel with Deborah tonight because now I get to be a real liberal here. <laughs> you are a real liberal, really. You just think so, you're not. So, you know, I, I really, I, I, yes, there are some real problems with Hillary Clinton and the way she's run this campaign and the way and 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 some of her uh, managerial and governing styles and the way she approaches the job in certain ways. But this false equivalency, I st I'm really troubled by still, this, you know, that, that somehow her faults are on par with what we saw out of Donald Trump during this whole thing. I, I, you know, I get it that the way she handled the emails wasn't great. You know, I, I, she, she clearly, you know, and and some of the you know WikiLeaks stuff probably if any other campaign that that had come out you would have seen the same thing, but I am so, I was so offended at such a deep level by what I heard out of the Trump campaign at a level that I you know these are this is a this is a false equivalency that that I you know that I just I find really uh, disturbing. I mean, Donald Trump is a is a disturbed man, who who and 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 a bigot at a at the core. And I find this, you know, I, I find this as a, as as you know, I, I find the isolationist mentality and the and the bigotry so disturbing. Um, well, you know, I, yeah, I, I think you know, yeah, I, they may both be ooze, but. Donald Trump is a bigger ooze. ooze. I mean, yeah, yeah. This kind of reminds me. I mean, the, for the media, it kind of reminds me. Remember the Superman movies when the, the bad guy would have a gun and he would like fire to Superman, fire to Superman, fire. And he'd finally take the gun and just throw it at him. I mean, Donald Trump has had all these things. I was just thinking the other day about Roger Ailes. Okay, Roger Ailes had accusations of sexual misconduct. He he was abusive. These women came forward. They told their story. He was removed. The same thing happened with Donald Trump, and he just said it's all lies. It doesn't stick to him. It's hmm. who else said that? Hmm. <laughs> I don't think we, I don't think we have a tape of Bill Clinton. You know, I'm I'm sorry, I'm, but I'm I just I'm I'm with saying. Daniel. This is not a false. This is a false equivalency. Okay. But I, I think I think that's the deal, and it, and it has been frustrating as a member of the media that this is how it works. We we find something that he says, we go back, we check it, we say that's wrong, that didn't really happen, this is going to make a big difference. It's made no difference. You know, he, go ahead. You know, you know the thing, that the, the, his, his sexist personality, the voters can see it and react to it, and the, anyone who, either voters are going to not put up with it and not vote for him, or they're going to make excuses for it and vote for him either anyhow if they're determined to but they understand that what to me is a deeper and more disturbing is you know because i think people can understand the sexism and either they either they understand you know they know where they come down on it it's the it's 
the rest of it, the, 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 the raw bigotry that is harder for people to understand because it plays on some, on, on, on isolationist fear, you know, on, on this isolationist mentality and this fear of other cultures and that, that, that I find so disturbing. You know, maybe it's because of my heritage and who, you know, my, my father was as an immigrant and my, you know, some of his, his, my family that never made it through the war. You know, I mean, this is, you know, that, that I, I find this just, we, we've so lowered the debate and the discussion well, in this that, campaign. That does make this next question a little awkward then, but it'll be good exercise for the three of you. Someone writes, almost everyone in San Francisco dislikes Trump, but what can you say about his positive qualities responsible for his political sex success this year? Deborah, go. Yeah, I'll take it. So, by the way, I mean, I voted for Gary Johnson. And as far as I'm concerned, tomorrow... I win because what I, either either Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump loses, and they both deserve it. Um, you know, so, so I, I I I ask people all the time who they're voting for, and the best answer I got was from somebody who's a Republican who's voting for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And what he said to me was this: He said, "I'm looking at the at the at, at the business situation. I believe that he will be good in terms of taxes and regulation. I'm watching the the." Black Lives Matter protests and how the Department of Justice is handling this. And I think that he will be more pro-police than anyone else. I look at uh, Obamacare, and this is the last chance that the, the, there will be to have a good reform of it, and that's something he wants. And, of course, the U.S. Supreme Court. Um, and, that's, and, and look at um, I couldn't believe that the Republican Party nominated Donald Trump. I don't consider him to be have the character for the job. Um, and I, I don't, I don't even, I don't think he's a Republican. I mean, let me just say that. I mean, he gave money to the Clintons. He's given money to Jerry Brown. He's given money to Kamala Harris. He's been registered as a Democrat and as a Republican, uh, and as, and with other parties. Uh, he obviously decided that this is the party that would accept him. And he made decisions on this race that I don't like. So, and mind you, this is her answer for pointing out his good side. <laughs> <laughs> but, and you know, but but he he won the nomination. And there are a lot of people who, you know, you see these Republicans and they go out and everyone says, and you have to denounce this and you have to denounce that. Well, he he won, and he. Um, do you, do you think it's his party now? Or do no, you think he's, no. he's gone up? You know, and, and, and look at all the people who are probably going to get hurt. I know, um, you, like, Daryl Issa, Republican congressman from Southern Poor California. Poor Daryl Issa. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so tolerant. Sorry, I just sorry, love this sorry. town. And, and, um, I didn't say it. But for no, of didn't course say it. not. Um, but, you know, I mean, there, there are a lot of... It, Paul Ryan, will he last? We're not sure. Yeah. Um, Kelly Ayotte, and by the way, I mean... I know that folks here like to think that they really want to have a strong two-party system and they want to see good Republicans do well. It's people like Kelly Ayotte, senator from New Hampshire, just a smart, good senator, and she's probably not going to make it because of Donald Trump. Is she pulling behind? I... It looks like Hassan's going to get it. I mean, that's, well, and, and she that's had, what Crystal Ball says. And what? she kind of had a hard time with balancing that. You know, when a big part of your constituency is pro-Trump, 
That's right. And, 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 it's hard to And, and look what's it. happened in Nevada with Joe Hecht. I mean, he was somebody who, because, because he pulled away from him, it's going to hurt him. So, I mean, Don, he's put this rift in the party that is just, uh, just ugly. Okay. So, well, and, but, but part of this, the reason that there are these rifts is because he wasn't discussing policy. He wasn't conducting a, poli- a campaign with any say. He was conducting a campaign of pure personality and ugly personality. And so, you know, I mean, we've had, we've had candidates who Republicans have said are, you know, some Republicans say, oh, he's, he's too liberal or he's too, too conservative. But the party still got behind them. But, but what he brought was an ugliness. We'll be back with more here on Friends on Fridays with John Zipperer of Commonwealth Club right after this. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.ale.com. G-R-E-C-A-R-E dot com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. What he's brought is an ugliness that, that has divided the party in a way that isn't as much around policy even. As it is, it isn't at all. Like I said, it isn't. I I agree. He he. What he did is he tapped into the anger that that people feel about about. I mean, I'll talk to Republicans who say to me, you know, I'm voting for Trump. He's going to really, really hand it to Hillary in the debates. Well, that didn't happen. And he's going to stand up and he's going to fight for all this stuff. And they feel, hey, they elected a Republican president, George W. Bush, the Republican Congress, and they didn't get the changes they wanted. You know, I'll give this to Democrats. They're in it for the long game. Hillary Clinton didn't give up. She didn't say, hey, I tried to run for president. She stuck with it. And so uh, uh, in Trump, uh, um, he had people, handlers, telling him what to do. And at times he listened and at times he didn't. You know, I've never seen in my all my years of covering politics, people, there's that great uh, 
moment when this guy walks up to Mike Pence. Uh, he's a Trump supporter. And he said, tell Trump he's got to exercise self-control. You know, every, in, people, when they, people who, who support somebody in politics, they usually blame the media, the handlers, the pollsters, anybody but the candidate. All, most Trump voters I know, they all think it's him. And they're okay with that. Or, you know, so it's just, it's, it's. And they're right. It is yeah. him. It is him. It is <laughs> well, him. And I would just say him. the easiest thing in the world to maintain is a bad reputation. Because then you can say, well, it's just Trump being Trump. You know, that's the way he always is. He's always like that. But I was listening to a, an interview with uh, George Packer from the New Yorker. He did a thing on Trump. Uh, and he said, you know, when he says make America great again, he means make it white again. You know, all those jobs, all those factory jobs, he's not going to bring those back. Those are gone, you know. And those people are mad, and I understand it. There's a 50-year-old guy who lost his job and has no prospects. And he's saying, I thought this was going to work out for me, and it's not. And he's, ta he's, he's tapped into that. But it's the basest, lowest common denominator of any political campaign any, as any of us have ever seen. And I think he's going to lose big. Oh. We'll find out. So I don't think you, Gary it, Johnson's going to win. I'm just telling you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the la the, just in the past two weeks, the election has taken kind of two whipsaw changes, both surrounding the FBI making uh, an announcement. Uh, first, uh, FBI director, is it James Comey, uh, said that uh, they had discovered some new or not new, but they had discovered some emails on a, a laptop owned by Anthony Weiner, which none of them wanted to touch. Who's Anthony uh, Weiner? <laughs> <laughs> I'm the, sorry. Uh, I the estranged I spouse him? of uh, Clinton aide Huma Abedin. And what, why do we know about him? <laughs> <laughs> this is a family show. So <laughs> okay. let's just say he did stuff you don't do. Anyway. Um, so that threw everything away. I mean, I mean, threw, threw everything into kind of a tizzy. And then uh, just this past Sunday, Comey said, mm, never mind. What, and this is being discussed ad infinitum everywhere, so we don't need to completely dissect it. But I am interested in what do you think? I mean, what, what did, was Comey doing maybe the controversial but the correct thing that he needed to do? Was it an integrity Here's move, what I would, or if, did he improperly get involved in a politics? If I were in a life and death situation and I needed someone who had really good judgment, I would not call James Comey. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if you saw, Mike Huckabee said, you better buy a dog because you don't have any friends in Washington. <laughs> 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 he managed to alienate the... The Democrats and then the Republicans later on because he had nothing. Else. It, I, it may have been he was trying to do the right thing and he was scrupulously following what he saw as the rules. But it was a mess from start to finish. The entire thing was a mess. See, I think, I think he meant well. And, and, and that's always, of course, like the words you don't want on your, your tombstone, right? <laughs> um, so so I, think, I think what happened is that James Comey felt that the FBI should not be insinuating itself into a situation that would determine the election. And the FBI investigation, you know, when, when he first came out and said, we're not going to charge, I said, yeah, I totally get it. I don't, I don't want Hillary Clinton to go to jail. Plea bargain to a misdemeanor, yeah. But, <laughs> but, um, 
but 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 really, I mean, it's it it doesn't really help the country. I understand how he doesn't want to do it, and they as it turns out, we found out they didn't do a great investigation. They didn't really. There are a million things that they didn't find, like Anthony Weiner's computer, <clears throat> right? And and so there. So so he comes out and he says, um, so he he does. He says we're not going to charge her. We don't want to get in the middle of it. But he, he feels that this should have a political solution. So he explains, well, I'm not saying she didn't do anything wrong. I'm just saying that, and I love this, no reasonable prosecutor would, would, would go after her. Do you know how few reasonable prosecutors there are in the federal government? They are all gung-ho bananas crazy. They will, when they go after people, there's, there's nothing left standing, right? There are no reasonable prosecutors. And so I, at any rate, I, and, and then I think this letter where he, now, by the way, polls like Nate Silver, other people have said that Hillary had started to dip before the Comey letter. A lot of people think it was a Comey letter. I think it was people looked at Hillary at any rate. Um, so, so, and then he, and then he comes out Sunday and he says, oh, we're still not going to charge her. He, yeah, I, I have to agree with Chuck. He's just in trouble. I mean, he just, he tried, this is what, it's sort of like Greek tragedy. When the most important thing to you is your reputation for probity, you, you're going to screw up. Yeah. Daniel, any thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, there's a certain amount of discretion. You, 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 you want, if, if we had printed a story like that, based on that information. We would have been hounded by everybody. How could you print that? Well, I mean, I think at a certain level, the same thing you know, applied in round one a week and a half ago or a week ago. At least first find out a little bit about what's in there before. I, I, the, the timing, the, everything about it was just wrong. It was just... It was just handled so poorly. It, it, it's it's really disturbing. So, well, well, well it, it, now is the is the director of the FBI appointed? They're appointed by the president. Yeah. Ten years. Ten year term. Oh, so it, it's not like Obama leaves office. He he, and can the new president get rid of him, or is she stuck with him like the uh, Fed pres- chair? I, you know, my husband was telling me I'm wrong. I thought the president couldn't fire could fire him, honey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a ten-year term. So I think he said it's changed since the last one got fired. Okay. You can look it up on Google. That's the last one. Got right. That's what Google's for. The only thing I would say, real quick, is for tons and tons and thousands and thousands of email, I am not blown away by the revelations. I mean, people are discussing the campaign. They're talking about Bernie Sanders. Maybe he's a threat. Hillary is acting like a robot. Come on, let's get this. I, I don't see any bombshell revelation in this. That's WikiLeaks, though. That's not the FBI. Yeah, no. Yeah. WikiLeaks, yeah. but the FBI is looking at the emails. The emails that we've seen, I don't, I don't see anything terrible about that. It sounds like a campaign to me. A lot of people in a pressure situation, uh, going back and forth, kicking ideas around. It's, that's pretty much what I expected. And this goes back, though, to the false equivalency. I, I really do find even the stuff that's come out, for the most part, with WikiLeaks and and the stuff that's in the whole email uh, investigation is, for the most part, I hate to say it, but in the grand scheme of things, it's, it seems to me it's, for the most part, a yawner. Well, let's move on then, but stay with the FBI. What do you think, have you, have you seen the stories about basically some FBI agents in the New York office, uh, they're being painted as having been uh, or being 
trying to influence the, the, the accusations that they're, they're Trump supporters or at least very anti-Hillary Clinton. And so that they have, they have been charged with, or charged with, they've been accused of uh, leaking information against her. If, if, am I, first of all, am I butchering that story? If not, no, I think that's true. What, what do you then, think about and it? And Tim Kaine said it too. He said, you know, this time of year, I don't really answer my phone because as the election gets closer and closer, you get these calls from these people who want to give you exclusive information. This is going to be unbelievable. You won't know. And it's all unconfirmable. And it's all, you know, it's spaghetti at the wall. We hope something sticks. We go through all this stuff. It's the FBI. I mean, I... I find it hard to believe that they're trying to influence the election. I think it's more likely that Comey thought he was doing the right thing. Well, and yeah, and I'm, I'm not saying Comey was, was part yeah. of that. But I mean, I think there's, yeah. there's probably some rogue agents in there. You know, in any organization, you've got people working on both, trying to work both sides of it. Frankly, we see this with local politics too. They, they, you know, you know they, they, I get. The, I get those calls at the local level all the time. You know, you should check this. And and these last minute, how many how many local candidates have had FPPC complaints filed against them? You know, the you know the answer days? to that. What is the answer? <laughs> you know, come on. Every practically every candidate. You know, I mean, the 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 bottom line is that that everybody's shoveling dirt right now. Uh, everybody's got you were going to say dirt, but okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're shuffling something. It's, it's yeah. a family show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's let's talk about some of the state the state uh, votes and the state candidates and and some of the local and regional things as well. And let's start with the Bart Bond. That's one of the eight million ballot measures this uh, fall. Uh, this is a. a it's for, am I, do I have this right, $3.5 billion? $3.5 billion. That uh, it says it needs for vital infrastructure work. It has some significant opposition, including a rejection by the East Bay Times editorial board. So let me go to you first, Dan. Uh, what's your problem with this measure? Well, let's, let's see. They started out by misrepresenting how much it was going to cost. They're not telling the voters on the ballot that their taxes are going to go up. You know, those things were all okay. You know, we're playing, and um, by the way, Bart's basically running a political operation at taxpayer expense, right up the line, if you will. Okay, we can live with all that. That's, it's, 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 it's sort of putrid, but we can live with that. The biggest problem that we've had with this thing is you're going to get $3.5 billion in bond money. There is no commensurate budget of how to spend it, because this was supposed to go into a package to address a 10-year needs, but they're planning to spend that $3.5 billion over 20 years because they can't float the bonds fast enough or your taxes would go up too much, and they couldn't sell that. But the most important thing is there's no guarantee that you're going to have a net gain of $3.5 billion on capital projects because the way they've structured it they're able to put the $3.5 billion into the, towards this, these needs, but then back out other money up to $1.2 billion that could go back into their operations side. And when we said to them early on, back in April, hey, this doesn't look very good, and if you want our support, you're going to have to ensure that this 
that there will be a net $3.5 billion gain, they flat out refused to do it. And that's where we drew the line. So the basic bottom line is that $1.2 billion of that $3.5 billion will indirect, could indirectly go to subsidize their labor costs. And that's just wrong. And we asked them to please draw, put up a wall there so that that wouldn't happen. And they flat out refused. Talk, talk about the janitor. Uh, the janitor. The You've janitor, all heard the story. The janitor. Yeah. Talk about October surprises. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, they, 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 look, here's the thing. But, you know, everybody knows about the $270,000 janitor. You know, I mean, if you haven't heard about, you know, they, this thing just, one of the groups that watches salaries and total compensation dropped this little thing um, a w the week before last. Uh, and it was, you know, Bart has a janitor who last year made $270,000 in salary, overtime, and benefits. $270,000. And, and okay. if I can interrupt, uh, and he's made 682000 over the last three years. Thank you for, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Just, to, you know, I mean, it, it wasn't a one-off. One you know, right. I mean, and, and Bart's defense of this is, well, sometimes overtime is more efficient than hiring somebody else. Well, when you get to the point that you're paying somebody double time, and this guy was making double time. We'll be back with more here on Friends on Fridays with John Zipperer of Commonwealth Club right after this. The spotlight on success and achievement goes to LGBTQI members of the Bay Area who have demonstrated an incredible amount of success. We're very proud to announce that this month's Spotlight on Success and Achievement is Rick Welts. Well, it's been an unbelievable stretch of time, obviously. Uh, everything the Warriors have gone through this season, really a magical season that ended in a championship. Uh, and now to, to top it off a week later with the opportunity to participate in the Pride Parade in San Francisco, it's, uh, it's a pretty wonderful time. You know, it's been a journey, right? We're all on our own personal journeys, and uh, the last four years has been a remarkable part of my life, but it, it's definitely a part of my life. Uh, you know, the decisions I made four years ago to come out in the way that I did, obviously, you know, I had decided I was signing up for something going forward and being part of the discussion, uh, and, you know, I welcome that. And this is, uh, you know, for me, a real honor to, to be participating in this way, and. I guess in, in some ways it, it will be a demonstration of how far professional sports has come in, in a very short period of time, uh, not as far as our society has come, so I think we have a lot to celebrate. Wow, I, I don't think I have any secrets, I don't think I'm that mysterious, you know, I've got a uh, pretty simple life, I like pretty simple things, uh, you know, I've, I've got a great partner, his name's Todd Gage, uh, he has two wonderful children, a 14 year old girl and a 10 year old boy. I, I uh, got off the parade route, got into a car with them, we drove to Lake Tahoe, and I got to watch 14-year-old girls play four soccer games over the course of the weekend and then drive back to the Bay Area. So that's my idea of an exciting weekend, you know, spending it with the kids and my partner and getting to do, you know, the most basic things that any family would get to do. Spotlight on success and achievement presented by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. What that tells you, if it was more cost efficient, is that your salary and benefits then for your average worker are more than, the total is more than twice salary. 
something is really wrong at BART if that's the case. But the biggest problem here is, okay, you got these labor things. We've been writing about their labor problems for years, and this is business as usual. This comes back to the original point, though. If they had put a wall up so that we knew that this bond money wasn't going to go to try and fix their labor costs, which, by the way, they already know they have a half a billion dollar shortfall in their operations side over the next 10 years already. That they, 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 you know, and I'll tell you a quick story in a second, but, but, but you know, if, if there was a wall there, we might have gone along with it. Mm -hmm. But if there's no wall there, then there actually is a nexus, and this janitor story actually has some relevancy to measure RR because there's no wall there between them. Do you think it's going to pass? I don't know because, you know, we haven't been, I think it's very, it's very likely it could. And, and, and the reason it, it's likely to pass is because BART director Nick Josefowitz, who's independently wealthy, has poured a lot of money into it. Um, he's a very smart guy. He's, he's, he, he totally understands BART's financial problems. And he's sort of becoming a one-man fixing BART his way, if you will. I think if it passes, Nick Josefowitz is probably the person to watch at BART. He will, be, he will become the de facto general manager, if you will. You know, I mean, be, be, because his stature for having gotten this thing passed will be so high. You know, and, and, and if I may, just, you know, the, 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 the one little story, you know, coming back to their shortfall, they have a half a billion dollar labor shortfall that they projected after they cut this last labor deal last spring. Mm -hmm. Okay, they, they, after they cut this last labor deal, they announced that it's 400, they're $477 billion short over the next 10 years. Wait, $477 million. I'm million. sorry, million over the next 10 years. <laughs> I'm sorry, million, million, billion, you know, million short over the next 10 years. And when their spokeswoman was asked, well, what about that? Her response, which was a jaw-dropping response, was, well, if the bond measure passes, the problem goes away. And it's like, how is that possible? Well, how it's possible is because there is no wall. She hasn't said that since, mind yeah. you. You know, but, 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 but that, it was a true moment of candor of what the hidden agenda here is. And it's just wrong. Okay, so, well, let's uh, talk about, let's try to briefly cover some of the other big uh, uh, ballot measures out there. Uh, marijuana legalization, do you think it'll pass? Yes. Deborah? Yeah. You both, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. They, they both nodded yeah. their heads. Yeah, I think it'll pass, um, but I, I will say this. I thought Prop 19 had a good chance of passing when it was on the ballot and it didn't, but I think this time, uh, Prop 19, by the way, the Chronicle endorsed Prop 64 this year. They did not endorse Prop 19, unlike some people. But anyway, we'll see what happens. I, I think I think people are ready for the change, and I think it's going to sweep the nation at some point. It's it, it just as prohibition happened incredibly quickly, and nobody foresaw it happening before it did, or very few people did. I think that's going to happen here. Mm -hmm. I thought one of the interesting stories that we had, the Chronicle had, was was our new cannabis correspondent. We have a cannabis correspondent <laughs> um, who said that that prices might drop by ninety percent. If it's, if it's legalized. I know you're excited, I know. <laughs> Me too, I, yeah, great. Um, but I think, I think the concern is, is uh, that there are a lot of small operators who have been trying to make a go of it, waiting for this to happen. The big companies come in, buy everything up, and it's, 
I mean, it, it has to be watched and regulated, but yeah, I mean, it's, is that it's the only pass. concern? I mean, isn't the other concern that it doesn't just become the legalization, but the promotion of it? I mean, yep. yeah. the Chronicle that's having right, someone who right. is, their job is to write, I presume, not terribly critical articles about pot. I think well, I think I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna take a, a hard hard look at it. Yes, I, I just out conservatives. Yeah. And, and, right. and if right. I, if I may. As, as a paper owned by a corporation that happens to be Denver-based, <laughs> we've had one of those for the last couple of years, mm -hmm. a, a cannabis correspondent, yep. or a cannabis yep. reporter. It, yeah. it brings new meaning to the Mile like, High Stadium. You find it's like really late with his deadlines and kind of... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I'll, I'll get to that, okay? You want something like every day or what? What is the deal? <laughs> you want some of the cookies? Come on, yeah. Okay, we have measures in East Bay and in San Francisco about taxing soda. Do you think it'll pass? Do you think it'll do any? Do you think it'll do what it, its proponents claim it would do if it does pass, Deborah? It'll raise money. I think it'll pass. Okay, you don't think it? Though their their claim is that it'll cut uh, soda use and obesity. You know, it'll have an effect, but I, I you know, I'm not. Yeah, I'm sure it'll have an effect. I think yeah. it'll, it'll, yeah. it'll have some effect. Nothing. Exactly how much is not clear. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the great issue here in the great debate here was, are you raising the price of soda? Or are you rising, raising the price of groceries? And, and the reason we do it this way is because the legislature won't let the cities directly tax soda, so they go through, have to go through these hoops. And this is, a, this is another one of these measures that comes about because Sacramento won't deal with it. Um, but, but it'll have some effect. And, and the answer to the question is, it, based on at least one study, is it looks like about two-thirds of, of the tax gets passed on in the price of the sodas, as opposed, you know, it's, yeah, and a little bit of it probably does bump up some grocery prices elsewhere, and some of it the grocers eat, I guess. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here that I, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but this was proposed before. Right. But it was proposed with a two, it needed two-thirds to pass. And that was much more restrictive, I think, about what the tax money could be used for. So to attack it now and say it's only going into the general fund is a little disingenuous. And I think you've got to decide, do you want to be on the side of big soda or do you want to be on the, I mean, if it has any effect, that would be great. But if it, if it does something, that would be good. That's right. I, I just feel like you have to vote for it. I suspect the uh, soda companies, especially the so-called big soda, will discount, and and that price increase may or may not ever show up. Yep. yep. It may be, Call me cynic, but I mean, their business is at stake, um, and you know, twenty cents on something that already costs you one eighty-nine, they'll find a way around that. Right. So. I think that's probably true. Um, so I'm Mr. Pessimism today, or. Optimism, Optimism if you work for Big Soda. <laughs> um, so our next topic, now back in the 1980s, uh, when Democrats kept losing presidential elections, they got very good at it. Um, <laughs> after each election, the New Republic magazine would gather together a bunch of Democratic thinkers and commentators, and they'd all basically go into everything that's wrong with the party and why we lost, and usually you know, the circular firing squad thing. They called it their quadrennial recriminations issue. Um, <laughs> After tomorrow, uh, and I saw the, the votes that you folks did out in the, uh, the fora, for, foyer, excuse me, whatever that room is, on uh, who you thought would win. I think pretty much most people are expecting Hillary Clinton will win. So 
on that assumption, what do you think the recriminations are going to be in the Republican Party? And what are the four, and you already said it's not Trump's party, so he didn't, do you think he's going to stick around to be involved in it, or do you, what, what do you think is going to happen to this party? Because there are really a number of wings there that are going to have to really fight it out. So after 2012, the RNC did this, this uh, post-mortem, and yeah. they decided that the real important thing that they had to do was tell people that to, be, uh, to change their stand on immigration, because if you are against illegal immigration or you feel that, that law, the law should be enforced, that, that makes you look like a racist, and the Republican Party can't do that. I think that a large part of Trump's appeal is for people who just feel that they want to see limits on immigration. I know that, I mean, and, and that, and so, and do I think the Republican Party will make the same mistake again? Yes, I do. I think they're going to deliberate, they're going to point their fingers at voters, not wonder if perhaps they could have had a more nuanced position, like, let's support the DREAM Act. And 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 let and and then see what happens there. Uh, Dream Act is for uh, people who come into the country when they're underage. You know, let's do something positive like that. Instead, they're going to lecture lecture people, and they're probably just going to make them angry again. And they'll and, be able to win their local sure. elections. I mean, I think that'll be the that'll be the deal. Is it'll be concentrated. Um, they're fractured now. They have been for a while. It's going to be hard for them to. To figure out what what it is that they believe, other than, I mean, you have to say more than no. They've said no to everything. You have to say more than that if you're going to govern. You have to have a proposal, and it can't be repeal Obamacare. I mean, it's got to be, it's got to be something that's repeal you want and big replace. ideas. Well, that's not going to happen. But I'm just you want you need big ideas. I don't hear any. Any idea that is shot down, I think that's that's their concern and problem, and yet. It works locally, so they, they still get elected. And, the, and the, you know? the, the real challenge they have is, and just to an extent the Democrats have the same thing, is that they're an amalgam of essentially two, two parties. They're basically an amalgam of essentially two parties, if you will. You know, I mean, there's the old traditional Republicans, mm -hmm. and then there's, and in the past we also had the, you know, it's interesting, the social conservatism fissure hasn't been the big one this time right you know it, it's 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 been you know it's the angry white male if you will the fissure um but uh so it's not it's it's not exactly obvious where they go you know uh, and it's but but there again the democrats have a parallel problem in a certain sense if you think about it i mean they have the bernie sanders faction and the Clinton faction, they're sort of, they have the same sort of division mm -hmm. in a somewhat different way. But this is, this, it's just that it got extreme and ugly this year. So talking about kind of that angry white male, the, the more populist wing of the Republican Party, um, I think a lot this year, especially this fall, a number of folks who had never heard of the alt-right before have started to learn more a bit about them. Um, first, maybe define it, if you will, but are they... Um, going to be a continuing player in the Republican Party, or do you think they were kind of brought in because there was the opportunity there through this candidate, and they will either go back to other candidates or other are not participating uh, after a Trump loss? Well, you know, the Tea Party is sort of the precursor to Trump, and again, I mean, there are a lot of people who 
think that the federal government is way too big. And they don't understand why the government doesn't get smaller when they elect Republicans. And those folks aren't going away. But, but when we're talking about the alt-right, I guess I'm also yeah. kind of pointing toward the the white genocide people. The, the, I mean, yeah. the really ugly parts. You know, well, and what I'm saying is, you know what, I don't you know think what, those people were the core. I mean, I'm saying John, they were brought in. My paper covers Republicans obsessively, and there aren't any. I mean, I, I, there, this is a one-party state, and all people around here can do is talk about those awful Republicans. Don't ever look in the mirror, whatever you do, because this one-party state is so fantastic. The, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not saying the alt-right is a yeah, threat in the San I, Francisco, I think and, I, and I'm say. also not Let's saying that they are defining yeah. the Republican Party. And I'm think, actually yeah. saying, do you think, I mean, maybe that is your answer, too. You don't think they're a significant part of, of the Trump movement. I'm, 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 obviously, there are so many different ways of defining, because even he has brought together some different Here's the question. Groups. The question is, so there's, let's say, let's say he, Trump has a one in three chance of winning, right? And if that's true, it will be because there are a lot of people who didn't bother voting for a long time. And he brought them out. I mean, yeah. that's, I don't, I have no idea how true this is. I know that you, you'll, you'll read in stories people saying, I've never voted in my life, or I haven't voted in decades, and I'm going to go out and vote now. And my guess is if that, and those people exist whether Trump wins or not. But, you know, do you, do you, think, do you think somebody who, who, who makes it to the age of 60 and votes for the first time is going to be back? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, I would Go say ahead. two things. Good luck with that. And <laughs> the alt-right, those people are horrible. They're not, this is not civil discourse. These are horrible, horrible people who wouldn't exist if it weren't for social media, if it weren't for the opportunity to troll. They are unbelievably vociferous, but they are a small racist segment of the United States. And if we didn't have Twitter, and if we didn't have social media, I don't think anyone would be paying attention to them. But that's an ugly, ugly part of this campaign. Let's, let's don't pretend this is part of the Republican base or party or movement. This is, a, this is a terrible group of people. We'll be back with more here on Friends on Fridays with John Zipperer of Commonwealth Club right after this. You're listening to the Progressive Voices channel on TuneIn. Please help us grow. Tell your friends to tune in to Progressive Voices. Find out more at ProgressiveVoices.com. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? <laughs> Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. When asked, 90% of seniors say they want to remain in their own homes as they age. 
Hello, I'm Charles Symes, owner of Allegra Home Care. Our caregivers have been serving seniors and the aging community for over 20 years. Allegra Home Care is the only Bay Area home care agency that is LGTB certified. Helping LGTB seniors stay at home is our passion. Please visit us at www.alegrecare.com. Allegra Home Care, serving your community. I think there's another Damn. there's another um, <laughs> underlying question here, and that is where where's Donald Trump going? What happens to Donald Trump, yeah. assuming he loses? And and uh, bankruptcy court, bankruptcy court, <laughs> that too. But 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 uh, I think that he ends up. Uh, I I think he is the Sarah Palin of 2016. Except with more, with he he has the potential to have more staying power than she did. Uh, I I think that um, we're I I don't think he's going away quietly. I think that he will be here in one form or another for quite some time. He's got more money. I would just say the Democrats don't get off the hook on this, and not to help Deborah's side of the argument, but. Democrats rolled over for Hillary Clinton, and right. everybody thought she was a juggernaut. She's going to win this thing no matter what. Nobody wanted to get in front of that. And crazy Bernie Sanders did, and turned out to be a lot more viable than anyone thought he was. And I blame the Democratic Party for, for nominating someone who is old school, who is, we just had a president who based his campaign on hope, and this is a campaign based on, we did it before, we can do it again. We needed more civil discourse, and I'm concerned that people don't want to run for political office at this level because it gets this ugly. But the Democratic Party should have, should have come up with another candidate to at least have challenged her, if not to have represented the Democratic Party. And, and, and I think there's... I is, think, this, is this pity applause because I'm retiring? Because if it is... <laughs> I think you're, you're just I working all the applause. It. It's a little bit... <laughs> Dan? I, I, I think... You know, the, the, the thing that Hillary Clinton was lucky. She was lucky. And first she had the field sort of, she thought cleared for her. And then she found out that she didn't after all. But, but the other part of it was that had this been Mitt Romney this year, this is a wholly different, this is a completely different race. This is a completely different race. Uh, and, you know, um, <laughs> If, if she can't. Almost any Republican could have beaten her. Yeah. Certainly Marco Rubio, yeah. John Kasich. I'm well, sure. I don't know about yeah. Rubio, but, you know, Kasich, you know, Kasich, yeah, but, 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 you know, but suffice it to say, the Republicans, or Hillary Clinton was really lucky that she drew Donald Trump because she could spend the whole time attacking Donald Trump. And, uh, and compared to him, she looked really good. She looks really good compared to him, you know, in terms of in, if you line up the two candidates. But had it been somebody a little more sane, it would have been a whole different, a whole different outcome. Okay. Um, as we mentioned, Chuck is leaving the San Francisco Chronicle in about three weeks. Um, and yet, I have the opposite reaction. 
<laughs> Thank you. I just wanted to take a, just a f couple minutes, a few minutes here to uh, both acknowledge what you've done and to wish you well. Um, but I have some questions. So uh -oh. true or false, you golfed with Mayor Ed Lee in the mayor's office. I, I did golf in the mayor's office. Um, he, there's a long hallway, and he has a, he has a putter. He has two putters, one for his guests, but he, only, he only, doesn't let you use his putter. He's got the special putter. And it's probably 45 feet, and you, putt, you get to putt two balls. And my second one was headed right for the hole when it was unfortunately deflected by a member of the staff, and I ended up losing. So I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> I played golf with Ed Lee. He's, he's actually, a, as am I, a very enthusiastic but not very good golfer. <laughs> okay. True or false, uh, you've met Donald Trump. I have met Donald Trump on the golf course again, as a matter of fact. And when we were saying earlier, he was, he was, he was charming. He was playing the AT&T golf tournament, and I was covering the tournament as a sporting event. I was writing columns, and they announced that Donald Trump had just shot a hole-in-one on the course. So I ran out there, and I thought, um, I'm not sure you know, how excited he's going to be to see a member of the media. He's still trying to play in the tournament. He was delighted to see me. He could not have been more happy to see me. Put his arm around me, and he... Uh, he took me down the middle of the fairway, which we're not supposed to do. You know, the media is supposed to stay over by the ropes. And he's taking me down the fairway, and he's talking to me. And, and the marshal came out and said, excuse me, you're going to have to put him. He said, oh, no, this is the San Francisco Chronicle here. So he's <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, I'm the San Francisco Chronicle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he sent me a letter afterwards. And Marla Maples was there. And, and he sent me a letter and said, I said to my caddy, you seem like a great guy. And it seems like you were. And, and now, unfortunately, when we moved, I threw the letter away. It would be worth a lot of money on eBay, yeah. I suppose. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> True or false, you once wrote a book about parenting that drew inspiration from kung fu movies. It's true. It's true. Crouching Father, Hidden Toddler. It's still in print. If you'd like to get it on eBay uh, Amazon, <laughs> it's still in print. Uh, every year, I get a check for about $67. So <laughs> that's paid off. That's been good. Okay. Well, my last question. We know what the C stands for. It's Charles. What is the W? Um, Wilbert. No, it stands for William. And um, I made it think of that for quite a while, but it's, it's, it's sort of... So the real question is, why are you quitting? And I, I, was, I have been saying, I thought it was a midlife crisis, and then I realized I'd have to live to 112. So, <laughs> But people have been so nice, and the response has been so great, that I realized I should have quit a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, is there another book in you? Whether it's I have a book proposal. If any of you are publishers, I have a book proposal ready to go. Um, yes, I've, I've got some irons in the fire, as we say. Very good. Well, thank you for everything you've done. Thank you, John. We've enjoyed having you. Let's, let's just try to get in a, a few more of these questions from the audience before we do get to the news quiz. Uh, someone asks, and I don't know if we'll know the answer to this, but I, I love the question because there's been so much talk about it. What is legal or, and illegal for poll watchers to do tomorrow? Just in case you're planning on mm. you watching know, polls. Do you have signs? I'm not supposed to answer that. You're what? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. This is for you folks. This, this is for us? Because usually from you ask the audience. The audience. They'll, they'll get the chocolate I, question I later. This isn't the quiz yet. Yeah. This, yeah. this, is, this is before we get still to the round table. We can't campaign. They can't campaign? They, they can't, yeah, they can't, right. they can't have any signs or whatever. 
And I know we we can't be within. Reporters can't. A hundred. I didn't know that. Hundred feet. A hundred feet. Reporters. I've. Thank you for joining us for this week-to-week presentation of a recent Commonwealth Club program. I'm John Zipperer, host of Week to Week, and I invite you to find us online at commonwealthclub.org and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.